Hello and welcome everyone to Every Day with an Angel. And this is a podcast that I'm in my second month doing it and I'm so excited for everyone who is going to be here or is now here. Um, I'm grateful that I do have a wonderful guest here. I am Natasha Venter. I am a multi-life intuitive. I'm a spiritual life coach. I love to support people go through their life's journey into bringing them up into it. So it's that that story of, you know, who were, who were we and how can we merge into this? So every day with an angel is part of that building into who we are to be. And then I have um, my two minute videos that I do uh, weekly or daily during the week uh, to do short little support. So if you, um, those are called every day with an angel shorts. So you get me every day in my inspiration. Well, today I am so grateful to have my wonderful guest. Now, Boo Boo and I have, um, I did a show. He, um, Hi, Soba. Thank you for being here. Um, uh, that There's going to be comments that come up, and I'm so grateful when they are, and I'll show them to you when they are a little bit more uh, engaging. Uh, but, you know, th thank you very much, everyone, for being here. So Boo Boo and I have gotten together. He saw me on the Next Level Soul, right, when I was on that, right? That's yes. how we got in touch. Right. And so then he reached out to me and we had a little bit of a session, um, phone call. And then all of a sudden he says, I'm starting a podcast. And I said, congratulations, just start it. <laughs> and his evolution is now that he has one. And actually, you should probably put that as a little, you know, Bobo Garcia um, uh, broad lens, <laughs> broader lens uh, podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so with that, that uh, he, he, with his podcast, then I was on that. And Boo Boo, um, uh, uh, hello from the UK. So we've got a couple people here from the UK. Um, Veronica, hi. And then we had, um, we got Soba. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here. You know, it's um, it's that knowing of who we are. So Boo Boo. You know, you, when we were um, talking, you gave me some really big insights on, you know, you used to have an addiction, which I can't say used to. I mean, we always, whenever we have an addiction, it's a lifelong process of negotiating it. But yet there is a time when we get to the other side of it, it seems like, and we can deal with it on a moment to moment basis instead of, or a day-to-day -day basis instead of a moment to moment basis. But Bubu, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I was born in San Pedro, California, which is the, uh, you know, the um, harbor of Los Angeles, where all the longshoremen are and right by the water. Some of you might remember the, the show, The Love Boat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's San Pedro. It's a pretty well-balanced city. Um, but um, yeah, I grew up in a, a, a family. And just to get it out there, my, I know today my mother and my father love me very much my father's no longer with us in form but you know my mom and my dad did the best they could with the tools they had and i know if they would have known better they would have done better just like me being a parent if i would have known better uh i would have done better and it's just a learning process in this thing called life you know and uh but i experienced a lot of um trauma uh, a lot of mis um understanding and, and uh wrong perception and, and uh you know my dad would beat me and I didn't know how to process that um, when not all the time, but when uh, he would get really angry at me, he would hit me with the vacuum cord 
and uh, that affected me and you know the and i look now you know the person i'm supposed to trust the most in this world is hurting me and i didn't know how to process that as a little kid and my dad loved me to death don't get me wrong it's you know it's called learned behavior passed on this is how what a parent's supposed to do when the kid's being bad you know and uh, mm -hmm. it's what his they, dad did, did to him it's what his dad mm -hmm. did to him it's what you know it's like it goes back it goes back yeah so every time I hear about someone that's suffering from addiction, I have to look at what happened to them. Not so much the genes, but what happened to them and look at their perception and how they perceive life. Um, the genes are a part of it, but more so is, um, you know, we know about epigenetics, right? Um, our beliefs turn, there's a light switch that turn on and off, the, our gene expression. Mm -hmm. So what, what happened to them? Yeah, and, and you can always link, and this is what modern science is telling us today, is trauma some kind of hurt and pain and the word trauma really means wound yes and, and a lot of times when you're suffering from addiction you have some kind of psychological and emotional wounds inside and a lot of it is traumatic and there's the big t traumas and the little t traumas uh like gabor talks about or the obvious trauma or the developmental trauma and the the difference is and i, I had a conversation with uh, gabor mate's son daniel mate who's a co-author of the book the myth of normal and they talked about um, in the book about the big T's are the horrible events that shouldn't have happened. And the little T traumas are good things that never happened, you know, and uh, and it all does the same thing. And, and it, it, we get wounded inside and we we uh, dis disconnection with self. And uh, so recovery is the regain to get back, you know, um, and, and uh, trauma is to uh, disconnect or loss of self. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, is that, you know, we as humans don't realize that when there are traumas that happen to us, especially when they're young, it changes the way our brains form. Mm -hmm. It changes our DNA. And I understand there's an emotional DNA, there's a spiritual DNA, there's a body DNA, and there's a mind DNA and a digestive DNA. I mean, it's like it's all... In, in the inner workings and people wonder why we have digestive problems. Well, what happens to when we were younger, right? Mm -hmm. And it sets us up for not well success sometimes because it creates a pattern of, of that wiring for, you know, keeping us kind of limited in who we are. And then that creates um, unsureness that creates uncertainty that creates that lower self-esteem whatever that can contains shame guilt grief whatever that is you know so i love the way you think about things <laughs> and your research is done i wish i could be a reader that way and 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 read these things but i did my brain just doesn't do it I'm dyslexic no, doesn't do no, it well to be honest I, I learned how to read in the 12-step rooms when i got sober um, I didn't know how to read. I never really went to school. I didn't pay attention. I was a mm -hmm. class clown. I was needing, seeking attention. And, you know, and I always felt less than, mm -hmm. and, and that goes from, you know, um, just the way I perceive my, and my relationship with my environment. It's, it's so important to look at our environment. Um, and, and it created that narrative, that voice in the head, low self-esteem. I'm not good enough. So I had to be mm -hmm. the best at sports. You tell me to do something, I'm going to be better than you. And I needed to do that because I needed you to feel, uh, want to respect me. And I wanted to feel loved and important. And mm -hmm. I always talk about, I joined a gang. My parents were both gang members. My dad was shot a few times in two different occasions. My mom was sliced in the back over 50 times. Um, I experienced my, my dad's friends as I'm trying to play as a little kid out in the uh, alley. 
my dad's friends are stabbing each other. Um, and I didn't stay know that was normal to me, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, so I didn't have any coping skills with all this emotional baggage building up and, and that voice in the head putting me down all the time. I didn't have any coping skills and I didn't have communication skills. So the first time I drank alcohol, I experienced what Carl Jung said in Latin, spiritus contra spiritum, which means a spirit against spirits. So the spirits of alcohol gave me relief from the, what Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, calls a spiritual malady, that disconnection of self. Mm -hmm. So I get some relief. And the, and the more um, uh, emotional baggage I have, the more trauma I have, those inner wounds, the more relief I get. It's like um, living in Arizona. Uh, I usually compare this, um, use this analogy. If I'm, if you're um, at home watching your show on TV, mm -hmm. and you're in a AC, and you take a drink of water, you put it down, and you continue to watch your show. But if I'm in 115 degree weather, taking a hike, in in Arizona, I'm gonna take a drink of water, and it's gonna have a different effect on me than it did for you. And that's where the addiction comes in, because now my mind and body uh, um, record a solution. And the more I do it, the harder it is to break because mm -hmm. it becomes habitualized. It really does. It really does. And I actually find that anytime you have uh, an addiction to something, mm -hmm. there is an energy that gets attached to us that keeps us going, I want you keep doing this i want you to keep doing this and the, and it's not necessarily like it's not like a spirit from someone who's passed it, it, it's this energy that just it's almost like when somebody's in anger this anger just it's almost like um you know this bundle of energy that walks behind us mm. well it creates this energy and and the more longer that we drink it or the more we're in that addiction or mindset you know, that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it gets harder and harder because as this energy walks with us, it's almost like walking around with a ball and chain and you can't get rid of it. Right. Mm. Until you make some conscious decisions and then slowly it dispits, you know, it goes down it, and it, and then, you know, it slowly goes away. And I watched this after my husband, you know, who had been drinking since he was 12, 14 years old, you know, and then using pot and Coke during different times, as he told me that, you know, cause I wasn't married to him at, to him at that time that, that, um, he, um, I could see this energy that was attached to him, mm. you know, and then as he's now separated 11 years sober, that, you know, that, that it's not even close to him anymore. Right. Because it's that story. So I'm interrupting you here. I'm, I apologize. Oh. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Go ahead. No, I was addicted to anger. You brought up anger and I was a very violent drunk. I, I was super violent when I was drinking. And it was like uh, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde analogy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I, I they say hurt people, hurt people. Or I like to say traumatized people, traumatized people. And I did that. I hurt a lot of people mentally, physically, and spiritually. You know, um. In the 12-step rooms, they say that alcoholic is like a tornado roaring their way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken and sweet relationships are dead. And that's what I was. I was a tornado. I was a tornado and I hurt a lot of people. Not everybody. I still loved people. I still had a lot of good qualities in me. But the bad things started to happen. My behaviors and my drinking started to go way out of control. 
started to overweigh the good part of me. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. It does. It does. And that's there again is that energy that I was talking about gets starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we lose, you know, we lose ourselves because the mind starts changing, mm. you know, because of the fact that um, and I think that that depends on what drink you drink, mm. you know, because um, beer has its own addiction. Hard alcohol does. You know, and then you have the pot and or the, you know, the cannabis or whatever people are calling it now, you know, and then all the other, you know, addictions that we have nowadays and past days, you know, that it's just amazing how it changes here, our mind, mm -hmm. you get the energy and then it change starts changing how our different organs, it's kind of like addicted to sugar, you know, there's something that in us says, oh, I want more. Oh, I want more. Oh, I want more. You know, and addictions can happen in different forms. You know, you're talking about one form of addiction, but I want people to, that they can apply what we're talking about onto any addiction, gambling, food, um, uh, an emotion, you know, you know, anything that you, that someone is addicted to. So, um, so uh, Veronica, thank you very much. So I had a hypnotherapist ask me what I was running from. He said that um, that's why I drink. Can you explain this? So running from, you know, when we get into an addiction, we run, it brings us into another mindset, like you were saying, boo-boo, about how, it, you know, that it t puts us in a different mindset. So can you explain a little bit more about that? Well, for me, I was running from reality. You know, I didn't want to see the person I become. Um, and I needed, you know, in the 12 step rooms, they talk about um, there's what you call the 12 steps. And, and uh, in the in the third step area, there's a third step prayer. And in the prayer, it says, relieve me from the bondage of self. Um, and that's what alcohol did for me. It relieved me from me. I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. I, I needed relief from being me. So I needed to uh, shift my consciousness and alcohol did that for me. If that makes any sense. Oh, it totally does make sense. Cause it's like, we have some realities and I know Veronica, I know Veronica. Well, we, she's been a client or a friend <laughs> and, and uh, a client even longer, you know, over now, what, 15 years, I think that, um, uh, and she says it does. So, you know, it's that thing that we, and we can be running thing from things from our families mm -hmm. that have set up. We can be running from something that happened to us, you know, like, um, like me being, a, um, uh, you know, molested when I was, you know, three, four years old, you know, that, you know, that's something that I could have secretly been running from. And even my sugar to this day could be part of that. And I haven't looked at it, but I've handled that scenario pretty good now. But, you know, it's like, what do we, what do we do now? You've now, you know, you, you spoke about how your life was now. How did you go through the process of starting to heal that? Well, um, Eckhart Tolle, the spiritual teacher says, in the beginning of all addiction, there is pain. And, and at the end of all addiction, there is pain. Or Carl Jung would say there's no coming to consciousness without pain. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, even said, um, you know, pain is the uh, um, touchstone of spiritual progress. And I was in so much pain. And not everyone has to go through pain. Some people can have a moment of clarity. But for me, I was in so much pain. I woke up November 14, 2009. And I still remember the day. 
And I remember what happened. Actually, my friend who just recently passed away, he was really one of my best childhood friends, but he was in and out of prison, suffering from a lot of trauma. And he got out and he um, was found dead not too long mm-hmm. ago. And um, he told me, because he was I didn't know he was in the room with me that day, November 14, 2009. He said I was in the room and it sounded like I was fighting my demons. And he was so scared to interrupt that he just left me alone. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I feel like today I'm learning to live um, not just for me, but for my friends who never made it mm-hmm. you know, out of the concrete jungle um, because there's a lot of booby traps we get caught up in, you know, and um, but uh, I don't know that day, November 14, 2009, I experienced what the Buddha called Nirvana mm-hmm. and the word Nirvana means to blow out mm-hmm. and for a brief second. I was no longer had that, 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 that I blew out that little egoic flame of self, that mm, suffering mm-hmm. self, all those identities. And as a matter of fact, I had a moment where I was out of the body. I was no longer identified with the mind and the body. And I was in a state of nothingness, maybe some peace, some calmness. But as quick as that turned on, turned off, it was like those magic candles that turned back on. Uh-huh. And I was in fear. I was scared. I was shaking. I needed help. Mm, and my mm-hmm. buddy opened the door and um, sometime that day and he asked if I wanted to go to a 12-step meeting. And then I took some other advice. You know, Albert Einstein says you can't solve your problems in that same level of consciousness that continues to create the problem. And I, <laughs> I that a to, truth. <laughs> yeah. And I was willing to take other advice. I was, to, I was so beat up and I was so willing to do whatever to get out of this situation. I was scared for my life because mm-hmm. I put a 38 to my head a few days before that. But I seen my daughter's eyes and I couldn't do it. I wanted someone else to kill me. Uh, and it just didn't happen. I wanted another gang member. As a matter of fact, that day, November 13th, that was a shooting and I didn't get shot. But I, I, I got in, I got drunk. I blacked out. It caused a lot of violence and just a lot of chaos in my life. You know, and every the last thing I was holding on to on the streets was my pride. Mm-hmm. And I got beat up. I was so I was popping so many pills and I was so drunk I couldn't even fight. But I have a big mouth like Tupac. I like to say I think I'm Bruce Lee when I'm drunk. And boy, George, all put together. I'm just messing around. <laughs> no part. Ain't that a mixture? <laughs> That's right. But um, yeah, I, I woke up that day. I woke up in a different state of consciousness. And I knew to my inner core of my being that I was no longer going to drink and live the way I was living anymore. You know, I've heard a couple people who um, had a... Uh, big bang moment. I'm just going to call it, you know, my friend Regan, who did my show with me for very, for several years, you know, he talked about the day that he became sober, um, through his addiction and he had a dream and he, he realized that he was not going to do that addiction anymore, you know, and it was one of those magical moments where, you know, he was supposed to be on a plane. He ended up spending the night in a hotel. His wife decided to stay in another room and he had that aha moment. Mm. My husband said he had the aha moment, you know, that he got caught by cops. I was at the dentist. He walked outside and said, God, I don't want to be this man anymore. And he said that he had this like something that washed over him mm. that just became... And he didn't tell me this until about, you know, just even just the last couple of years that he told me that he too had an aha moment mm. and he hadn't drank. People are like going, how can you not all of a sudden that switch come off and you don't want to do it anymore? It's because of that, that I'm going to call it a God moment. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the only word I can say is it's, it's a God moment that, um, that, you know, that somebody else steps in and says, and I call it, you know, the people call that, um, you know, that there's people who say that, you know, there's a soul that, you know, soul transition that, um, you know, one soul comes out, it comes in and another one goes out, you know, that soul transference. I call it solely, uh, I call that a, a, an exodus of a part of a soul. Mm. You know, the addiction goes, I'm out of here, right? Or that part of us that, that needs leaving, that's that part of our soul leaves us to become our truer, cleaner self, whatever that is, right? Mm. If that makes any sense. Makes a lot of sense. It was like an inner shift that happened, mm-hmm. you know, and then that St. Francis prayer came alive. The last, the last sentence is only by dying that one awakens to eternal life. And the old self died. And I woke up into like, I know there's no such thing as death. I know death is an illusion created by the mind. The body may leave. I may leave the body, but who I really am doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I got some help. I, I started following went to the 12 step community, the fellowship and, uh, and I started uh, having a, a another spiritual awakening, not more spiritual experiences by learning how to live on spiritual principles. And what that did for me is it gave me new coping skills to deal with life. And now I know how to suffer. And if you learn how to suffer, you suffer much less, if that makes any sense, because we're still <laughs> going to suffer. You know? <laughs> but, it, but it shifts your perception to know that it's not about you. It's not to punish you. It's about teaching you moments. It's that knowing that this is this is a world that we're in to learn and to express and to expand. And the only way we can do that is by having these trigger moments, these moments of, of um, awarenesses that go that, you know, it's like, well, why did I have a rough day? Well, if you look back, how did you how did you negotiate it? And like I was talking to somebody about how, you know, they say, why am I so spiritual when things are going good? And then I have reality in life. And I go, because that's the time when life says, okay, you've gotten your awareness with your spirituality. Let's practice it. Mm. Let's see if you can practice it. Oh, you need to learn a little bit more. Okay. So we'll give you a break and we'll let you practice it a little bit more. And Clint, let's put you back in a moment where you can say, oh, do I really know my stuff? <laughs> Am I going to really walk this path of spirituality, right? So, you know, you you talk about the 12-step program, and I can tell you right now I'm going to say that, the, the, you know, and I'm going to name it the AA program. You know, it's free. It's something that you can go to as many meetings as you want. So if you have anything that is of addiction, please know that there are services out there Food Anonymous, um, Gambling Anonymous, uh, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous, whatever it is, that there is a way to get help. And I want people to try to get help. And they and, you know, there's ways of doing it. But there but if you're if you're struggling with money, you can go to 12 meetings in a day if you have to to so you don't go into the bars. Right. (laughs) And so it's that it's that moment where please please, please don't do it alone. My husband tried to do it for years by himself. Well, he says he didn't really try to do it for by himself for years, but, you know, but mm-hmm. when he really got truly help, that was the thing that gave him the, the, the hooks to get into, to say, I can climb my way through this for a while. 
until you got the tools. So with that, so how, um, how do you find your knowings? I mean, you're, you're really good at, and I love how you do this. You know, you have this awareness of what you've read <laughs> it is right there when you need it. But how, how did you, how did you find your stepping stones to get from, from that life of, of um, gangs and, you know, in the, in the heart of drama and trauma and pain and, you know, the physical pain, because you're watching people hurt themselves and kill each other. And yet at the same time, and then that physical pain that comes to you because somebody's trying to do the same thing to you. How do you go from something like that and, and only knowing those skills to becoming who you, who you are? And I understand practice makes better. I get that. But how, how did you, because sometimes people need that little bit of texture to find mm -hmm. paths, to find wisdom, if that makes sense. Well, ever since I was a kid, I always felt like I lived in other, I, I like I had a little bit of glimpse or remembrance of past lives. So like I always felt when I was a kid, remember watching Indiana Jones for the first time, I felt like I'd been there. I know that environment, mm -hmm. like it was an inner knowing. Now, I don't have much detail beyond that, but I always felt like I lived in China or like somewhere in the Himalayas area. Um, I felt like uh, Egypt or ancient Kemet. That's the original name of Egypt. And, um, you know, places like that. So I always had this inner knowing. But when I had my awakening, I, uh, I went back to those teachings without even realizing it until later I realized that. And um, I, um, I felt guided by a lot of um, well, who we call mystics. And mm -hmm. I felt like I was pointed to different information and looking at different religions and um, Gnostic, the Gnostics and, and, and esoteric teachings. I felt sometimes I was given a little bit of stuff and other times it was just um, pointed to the direction and I had to do the research. Like I don't read a book cover to cover. I didn't know how to read until really well until, you know, a little bit later. Um, I, I read just what I need to read, like a paragraph or two or like six pages out of a book. That's what I need at that time. Mm -hmm. And then more will be revealed. But um, I learned how to I also when I got into the 12 step community, I learned how to wax on, wax off like the karate kid. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, and I don't know why I'm doing this kind of stuff, coming to a meeting early, leaving late. But I'm learning how to be of service. What every religion teaches, I could put in one word, saloa, serving and loving one another. And that's mm -hmm. what I learned in, in the 12 step community. I learned how to be of service to people. And I also learned how to have new coping skills and be aware of things. Like oh, um, I always say, um, I love the word ignorance because it's an extension of the word ignore. And I ignored my daily life for a lot, very long time. And today, spirituality for me is taking responsibility for my own thoughts and my own actions on a daily basis. And, and, and when I do screw up, I always say I don't suffer from alcoholism, but I suffer from assholeism at times. <laughs> you know, and um, but I, I can take I can I can make right on that stuff, you know, and I do get fearful. I still have all that stuff because I'm I'm a human being, right? Mm -hmm. I'm having a human experience. And um, but I don't get drowned in that stuff like I used to. I don't get stuck in it, you know, and uh, you know, the word addict addiction comes from the Latin word addictus, which has something to do with being a slave. And I was mm -hmm. a slave to these behaviors, a slave to this substance, a slave to et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm no longer that because I have that light of awareness shining forth within me. And, and congratulations. 
because that is, I mean, even me who, you know, I've had when, when I was, um, uh, dealing with the grief of my family passing away in seven years, I kind of had a spending addiction and then, you know, dealing with an, an alcoholic husband at the same time of having kids. So I was a little bit where, you know, I needed those endorphins just to say that I was alive still sometimes, you know? And so when, you know, coming out of that, that, you know, we, that's how we get through things. It's knowing that, you know, the skills that we get, we have to look back and see how far we've come because it is about not drowning anymore. Mm. And I, I, and I understand that's what the true word of spirituality is. Mm. It's having the skills and the tools to move forward, move up out of the drowning of we're in the day-to-day -day life. And you use the word awareness that you were, you, you were ignorant about things. You didn't want to see things. You didn't want to be observant in life. And I can tell you, people always wonder, how did I, how do I get through what I do? And I go, I go into observation. Mm. I go into observation. Everything around me is a message from the universe. Conversations I have. I had a little spider on me today and, and it wasn't, and I didn't even see it. I, a kid goes, there's a spider on you. And it was just a little itty bitty one. And I go, where? And he goes right there. And I said, oh, my little friend. Thank you. Because <laughs> spiders about what weave do we want to weave? What do we want to weave into our new web, right? Mm. What, what are we going to grow into? What are we going to jump into? What are we ready to, to um, move into, right? Um, it's about um, being able to, to, you know, get our legs and go in different directions, right? But it was little. So what little detail am I missing? Thank you. I need to get back to my emails. Uh, a little detail am I missing or needing to look at to help myself be more aware of my world around me? Because mm. it is the little things that help build the stones to the big things, right? So with that, that that, that little guy had a big message for me, right? <laughs> So the world around us is huge. You know, people always say, hey, I want to go have a card reading, right? You know, um, I like to get a card reading. Well, pay attention to the world around you. The cat that runs in front of you, the dog, the birds, the humans, the billboards, the truck. You know, hey, the bison truck in front of you that says bison all over it, right? Well, bison weather the storm. Do you know that they are the ones of the animals that walk into a storm? Hmm. The bison actually walk into a storm head first because they know if they walk into it, it passes over them faster. Wow. Never knew that. Yeah. So when you think about it, how can we be a bison? Because I know one thing. If I run from something, it's going to last a whole lot longer. And observing my husband, when he got drunk, when he was 12, 14 years old, I as a wife, not treating him like a 12-year-old, but honoring the part of him that needed and asked to mature mm. and the expansion of that. So holding space when he was, or allowing space, I'm going to say, when he was stretching and pulling, you know, learning how to be angry without alcohol, how to be loving. He actually had to learn what love was 
I bet you had to learn what love was. Yeah, I spelled it backwards, E-V-O-L, evil. And I became a very evil person. Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I had to learn how to spell it correctly and learn how to have understanding. And I truly believe understanding is love's other name. When I can truly understand people or, or their situation or try to have some kind of understanding, like I can love them. You know, forgiveness mm -hmm. is there or just compassion is there, you know. And um, yeah, um, so one of the greatest things for me I learned in the 12-step community and through the 12 steps, there's a line in the in, in the in the 12 steps um, book and it's called uh, and it says, uh, be prepared to look at things from an entirely different angle. And you talked about it. I learned how to change my perception or when Dyer said it perfectly. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Oh and that's gosh. the greatest thing I've ever learned in, in the 12 step in spirituality is learning how to change my perception with a certain situation. It's like changing the gears, right? Uh, and I learned how to shift gears and I may not do it all at once, but I know how to do that where I don't get stuck anymore. And before I, I, I always say my first language wasn't English or Spanish. It was victimese. I was a victim of, of my circumstances. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not <laughs> laughing at it, but I'm just like, <laughs> no, no. what a word to really state because so many of us are taught honestly without, because we didn't know better to do better, how to be victim. Mm. how to be a victim. And, and even my kids who grew up in a, in a household of an alcoholic family, right. That, you know, there's been many a times when they were young and I said, I know dad's angry and I know that he's been drinking, but you got to still listen to what he said. There's something, what he said has validation. We just gotta, we gotta kind of, um, put, um, boundaries up or whatever the word was I chose at the time, because I was in survival mode sometimes, you know, that, you know, at least let's listen to what dad was asking for. He wants to be heard. Nobody's hearing him. So how can we listen to him? How can we make sure he's heard? You know, let's do a couple things that he was mentioning, you know, so that he sees that we were hearing him. Now, did that help him? Because he tended to be a little bit of a narcissistic attitude, but yet at the same time, it was part of that. I was teaching my kids that it wasn't necessarily the alcohol that was talking, but it was the part of him that really wanted to be negotiated with. So I tried to work my family out of victim, mm. even though we had that scenario going on. I don't know how well I did. My kids said I did pretty good. But <laughs> that's the only reason why I know, because my kids said I did. Mom, you weren't that bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. so how did you, how did that, now how long have you been without? A, Alcohol you, or drugs? Um, well, drinking was my drug pretty much, but um, I, you know, I popped a lot of pills as well at the very end. But it's been since um, November 14, 2009. Yeah. That was the day I, I woke up and I stopped. I, I changed my whole life. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would like I know, to know. And I know you said that before. I'm sorry. I didn't get a, an attachment oh, no, okay. to that. So I, I'm sorry. Well, another thing I would like to mention is that you hear in the rooms in the 12-step community, um, you know, uh, the acronym of fear, it's F everything and run. And that's what I was so <laughs> used to is F everything and run. That's why I'm numbing myself, right? Or, mm -hmm. or behaving certain ways. Um, I don't know how to face difficult situations that may feel hurt. That little scared little boy inside is scared. 
and you mm-hmm. uh, want to run. But I learned how to face everything and rise, rise in what, rise in consciousness. And so today I know to the core of my being that whatever I'm going through is for one reason and one reason only. It's to learn in the expansion mm-hmm. of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, today, uh, like I said, I don't speak Vietnamese anymore, but I know that obstacle, obstacles that are coming my way are not are, are, are not blocking me from the path. Those obstacles are the path. So I always have some something to uh, experience and learn from and grow mm-hmm. in my exactly. soul journey. Yeah. And that's the thing. I always, whenever I get into something, the first thing I've practiced to say is, what is this here to teach me? Mm. What is this here to teach me? Why am I in this? What is this here for? Uh, and then, then I practice on um, getting the person out of the situation. So in other words, okay, so I'm being challenged by this situation. Not necessarily, my friend told me this. It's, okay, what is it that the conversation was about? So it gets it into the story of where we're at and what we're doing so I can learn from that and then go, okay, now how do I interact with a person after I see why that's triggering me? Why mm-hmm. is that bothering me? You know, what is this here to teach me? So then I know how to work with the person or the thing, right? And that's changing the perception like we were saying earlier. Yeah, how, in order to negotiate this world, perception is 90% of it. And then then interaction or reaction is the other percentage, right? Yeah, you're right. And the Buddha observed the world and said, most people suffer from wrong perceptions. And he's right. You know, I suffered from wrong perceptions and I learned how to change it. And like I hated my mother and father. Um, I loved them, but I had a hate and love relationship. And they didn't even know that, you know, mm-hmm. just that was just me. And I developed all these resentments towards my mother and my father and, and the world around me. And um, when I started to practice understanding and understanding me, you know, um, and, and my own suffering, man, I had so much like I became more life sensitive because of that and less ego sensitive. And that's the difference maker today. And an awakening looks like for me today is um, I see a lot of people stuck in boxes and those boxes represent belief systems. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, and when you when you can get outside of that box, you can see things in a broader level, you know, and, and not suffer from all these belief systems and create division and hate. You know, you see it in the political uh, or religious um, systems and, mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. You know, 12 step communities, you see it, you see it anywhere. You know, there's always some kind of box that people get trapped in. So um, for me, that's when when you can be outside of the boxes and look with a pure heart. That's what Jesus meant. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Um, those pure in heart for me means um, you have less ego identities, you know, and, and you start to you look at everything as one. And, and when I could see that and I, I could see the unnecessary suffering that's caused in our societies, and I just want to be more helpful. Like it's hard to have an awakening and not want to be helpful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that's that breath in and breath out with spirituality. Yeah. You know, it, it is about that. It's not about me, but it is about me. Because without me being strong and, and willing to negotiate the world, then how am I going to support others in that story? Right. How can I ask, how did you start finding that self-love? What were some of the steps that you had to do to find that self-love? Because it doesn't sound like you were very love loving to yourself earlier. 
in your life because you didn't know better to do better, right? You know, I you started out loved as a little infant, but yet, yeah, you're right. The journey of life gets you through <laughs> a little bit. I think replaying the resentments in the twelve steps, and um, what I did is, you know, we talked about looking at it from a different angle, and I sat in the audience, and I replayed that resentment with the individual or reenactment in my mind, and I just looked at where was I, where where did I have fear, where did I feel threatened, or afraid of losing something or not getting something, you know, and, and looking at their behavior, how they reacted to me and, and see how that affected me. And I want, how I wanted these people in this crowd to think, see me as, mm -hmm. and where is that persona being hurt or threatened? Because if you know who I really am inside, you're not going to want to be around me. You know, I joined a gang not to uh, be a bad person. I joined a gang because I wanted to feel loved. I mm -hmm. wanted to feel a part of, and a something. lot of my other friends, yeah, that joined gangs felt the same way. Mm-hmm. That's what so, I understand. It's it's the family that they didn't have a family in. Yeah. Or at least we felt we didn't have a family. You know, some people didn't have a family at all. And I have I had a family, but I felt like I didn't. You know, it's wrong perception. I didn't know how to process things correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh so but, I think but at the same time though, you were you were um beaten by yeah. a, a man that you thought you could trust. And how can you feel like you have a family when that family is, is just as harsh as the world outside of you? Yeah. You know, so, that, the, the inside the house is just as harsh as the outside of the house. Yeah. I wish I can show parents today, especially younger couples. Um, I wish I can tell them to put a fragile sign on their kids, like look at their kid and see a fragile sign on their brain because it's so fragile and we don't realize how fragile our little, our, our kids' minds are mm -hmm. and, and to help them process things and communicate the importance of that, you know, and they should teach that in school as well, how to have coping skills because I didn't know how to process things, you know, mm -hmm. um, correctly. And, and if I don't know how to communicate and process things right, where's it going to go? What's exactly. going to create? Yeah. So. Exactly. And that's, that's the, the balance. And I know that's one reason why that, um, I have been asked, um, by spirit to stay in the elementary school that mm -hmm. I work in is because of the, um, I'm, I'm one of many, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I am one of many. And, and it takes a community to raise a child. And I've had a couple kids who come back to me and say, Mrs. Venturi, you were the one on the playground, weren't you, that said this to me? And I said, yes. Like I had one kid who was walking by me and he says, I'm such a bad kid. And I said, wait, you're not a bad kid. You may make not good choices, but you're definitely not a bad kid. You are a great kid who yeah. hasn't learned how to do good choices yet. So start making good, better choices, practicing that, and you'll be a better kid doing better. You'll be a good kid doing better. And, you know, that's the thing is, is that we, we don't realize how much we impact our own lives by our You're choices right. and, and, um, and that kind of thing. So there's a comment here um, real quick here. Um, Boo Boo, I'm wondering how you could shift your life after November 9th who helped guide you mental and physically. So this is financially. 
Yeah. Um, do they mean financially or physically? Um, uh, sorry, dyslexic here. Let me see. Okay. Financially. Okay. Um, good question. Um, my friend that I knew from the streets, um, growing up where I grew up in San Pedro, he was, he just got out of a rehab and he let me stay in his apartment. As a matter of fact, he let me stay in his, in one of his apartments he was renting out because it was vacant, um, before, um, before he got out of his own recovery. So when he came out and he took me to that first meeting, he let me stay with them for a year because I was mm. homeless and, and I didn't have anything left. Everything that gave me that sense of self was gone. Right. So, um, he gave me some financial support and, and um, well, what was the other question part? The mental um, part? Uh, um, who helped guide you um, mentally and um, financially? And he, we did talk about this a little bit at the beginning. I don't know if you, you've just come in. Um, and I don't know how to say your name. Sorry. Uh, let me see here. Allah, uh, Allah, Mama. Yeah, the 12-step community um, um, helped me. And they um, – help me think for me until I could recreate a new mind, a healthy mind to think for myself. So, mm -hmm. um, I took advice from people and, um, and another thing is, um, changing my actions and my habits, um, that helped me in learning how to be more grateful and have gratitude in my heart. Cause I complained a lot and complaining only strengthens the <laughs> ego, right? <laughs> ain't that a truth I, yeah i've even come up with gosh today was so rough but i'm grateful that i survived it you know it's like put gratitude on whatever you're saying and it shifts the whole mindset because you cannot be in gratitude and be in a bad mood at the same mm. time that is the one thing our brain cannot be is in gratitude and something else at the same time, you're you're either in gratitude or you're in the bad mood, and you or the the that downward spider, whatever, the the positive and more the negative. You know, it's like you know you you, and that's one thing that can shift your brain cells and your brain is gratitude. So if you want to get out of anything in the negative sense, depression, stories. Find something to be grateful for. I remember when my husband was kind of in that transition right before he got sober. And then I would ask him, he'd come home. God, my day was such a bad freaking day. <laughs> I said, what was, what was three things that happened that were good today? And he couldn't think of them. And I said, didn't you wake up to me this morning? Because <laughs> that wasn't obvious, right? And he knows what kind of person I was, you know? And he goes, Yeah. I said, oh, and you came home to a dinner being made? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I bet you had a client that came in and made you laugh, right? Yeah. So I would name off, and I didn't always go to me. I would name off maybe three things at work that I knew would happen, you know? You know, I know Kirk would make you laugh today. Yeah, <laughs> he did. You know, it's like, but I had to almost stretch and pull him, you know, to even think about something that was good. And that's the thing is, you know, people don't realize how much it practice makes better. You know, you got to practice your way out of your, your life. However it is, if you want to better yourself. So some of your day-to-day -day practice skills, what did you do that were some of your day-to-day -day practice skills? If I can ask that. Today or, or back kind then? Kind of in that transition. Over. And even today, um, cause I mean, you know, after having time being sober, 
you know, you kind of realize that you, you, you know, people don't realize that, that things can get better the longer mm-hmm. you're sober because they're so in the downward spiral at the beginning, but it can get better. Yeah. I think, uh, just, you know, um, going to a lot of meetings, getting commitments and learning how to be service of service to people, um, talking to people, getting advice, um, just all that good stuff. You know, um, that Native American saying um, inside all of us, there's a good wolf and a bad wolf. And the one you feed the most is the one that gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So I started feeding the good wolf more than the bad wolf because I was unconscious of it. I always say your ego is not your amigo when you're unconscious of it. And, and uh, I was unconscious of that narrative, that voice in the head and all that stuff. And learning how to change my story, like we talked about in that last episode we recorded on my podcast, right? Mm-hmm. About changing the story. And Because in Hollywood, if I when I was a kid, the only time I seen a Mexican guy on TV was when he was a, a, a convict, mm-hmm. a rapist, um, illiterate, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all negative stuff. So what is that message? Is that telling me? Yes. You know, I don't see any superheroes looking like me. So I didn't know how to process. So I I created a story, you know, as a man thinking that is mine, so is he. And next, you know, I become that what I see in Hollywood, you know. Um, So I had to change the narrative, change the story, but be aware of it, first of all, and see that all that negative uh, thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the thing about life is is like like we talked about changing our perception, you know, but we can rewrite our movie. We can rewrite our story of our life at any point in time. And it's that, that noise. So, um, so, uh, um, I asked that because for sure you were in a very vulnerable situation, right? Lost and looking for guidance. Did anyone try to take advantage of that? That's a good question. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I guess I'm lucky. I, I had no one trying to take advantage of that. Everyone was willing to help me. You know, and when I went into the 12 step community, I felt like a piece of crap and they were like flies coming to this piece of crap, you know, and they were as buying me dinner, giving me rides, asking me, they, some people say they love me back to life. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, I just felt a lot of love coming in and, and, uh, it poured and people actually cared. And I started to become friends with people and started to feel a part of something and have a, a new purpose in life. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is that, you know, if, if we are being taken advantage of, we're not hanging out with the right people. Mm. You got to change the people you're hanging out with. And that's one thing that, um, that that's one thing that I noticed, like, uh, I had a family member who, you know, they were in one part of town, uh, one part of, um, a city and, they ended up moving to another part where they wouldn't even have been able to hang out with the same friends, but they collected the same friends. They collected the same type of friends. So that scenario followed them because they attracted the right, the same people who were sabotaging them because they didn't know how to get better. They didn't know how to do better. So if you're feeling like you're being sabotaged or somebody is sabotaging you, you got to put some boundaries around it. And you know, that's the thing is, is that we surround the people who you they surround your people with the people that you want to become let the people around you if you're hanging around with people who are always spending money always in debt you're going to be in debt and you're going to be spending money if you're around people who are positive and more inspirational you're going to be more inspirational so surround yourself with people 
of how you want your life to be and become. And because you are who you are, but you're not, but you can be someone you're becoming too. And sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. That's where that saying came in. I think you got to fake it till you make it. And it's not to say that you fake it for a long time, but you got to start the wheel rolling somehow. And sometimes you have to do it. And that's the thing is sometimes we have to have a little ego to go into our first meeting, Mm. right? You have to have a little bit of, you know, Hey, I can do this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a nobody and I can get in the doors. Then you realize when you're in the doors that you are someone and you don't have to be ego. But sometimes we use our egos to get through the doors of getting help and allow that to happen, right? Allow that to happen. But there are some people you got to be careful for. And and, uh, there are some what they call predators, you know, um, you know, we were going in a room full of people that are looking for help and some didn't get the help and some have a lot of trauma in other ways. And, and um, so you do got to be careful there. Mm-hmm. And so I would try to find people you can trust and, and that are really active in the, in the program and doing the deal and speaking from their heart, because there are some people you got to be careful for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that, um, that it's um, the people who are in there, the longer are the ones that, that have been more weathered. Hmm. They've been more weathered. And so it is, it's not wrong or right. Everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. We all have individual paths. Sometimes it's not a straight line, you know, getting to where we're getting to. If it's not curvy, you're not doing life right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's about the tug and pull and it's about the learning. So with our spirituality, you know, I love the way that you communicate about your, the way you walk your life. You know, you use a lot of tools, a little, a lot of metaphors. And, you know, I can say I do the same thing. You know, it's that, you know, like I, I've used a lot of my tools where I'm not doing anything wrong, but there's something I can change. Right. I'm not doing anything wrong, but there's something I can change. And that's how I've gotten through a lot of my years with my husband, who's been learning to be sober, you know, even though he's been sober 11 years, he's still learning. His personality is still learning how to, to be, you know, and sometimes, you know, I call him dry drunks, you know, (laughs) sometimes he slips back into an old pattern, you know, and it's up to me on how I interact with it. Do I become the victim of it? Or do I become someone who can honor that moment and say, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Hmm. And I'm not doing it with ego. I'm doing it with, I'm just not doing this anymore, babe. I love us enough to not do this anymore. You know, and, and that's the thing when we're in partnership with someone who's working through an addiction, we have to give the opportunity for change to happen. At the same time, though, we have to have boundaries with that part of that of that scenario, even in me, because there's a part of my scenario that I have to have boundaries with that interacted with that, the alcoholic, right? Because as he got sober, I had to become less, um, less um, passive aggressive and less um, victimed, right? And then too, at the same time, I had to find out that, hey, you know, 
he's not drunk and passed out at seven o'clock in the, at night. So I can't just watch whatever I want to watch on TV. Now I got to share the TV, right? <laughs> so there's these pluses and these minuses that, that happen in relationships when someone starts getting sober or starts learning to change their addiction. Just like my husband who, who watched me spend money He's now having to learn that I'm not the same person anymore and he has to give me grace. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting tug and pull, right? It's an interesting tug and pull having partnerships, having relationships, having knowings about each other and these stories of how are we supposed to be. Please give ourselves and each other grace. You know, it's life. I always say if you think you're spiritual, try getting in a relationship. <laughs> no but you know once the unconscious becomes conscious enlightenment occurs and spirit an awakening is not one deal one process one one event i think there's a, a lot of different types of awakenings and yeah and um sometimes i gotta die to blossom back and you know it's just different seasons and um you know there's always room for improvement especially within myself you know i still got to be more aware of the patterns i have and the way i react look at my emotional reactions and all that good stuff but the more i be a, the observer and be, become more of the awareness behind the thoughts or the emotions mm -hmm. um, the, the more healthier i become if that makes any sense so mm -hmm. but there's always room for improvement for myself yes and that's the thing is is that we that if I can invite people to have anything in out of this story is, is that, you know, it's enough to be vulnerable enough to say we're not perfect. And that's what I like about that mantra. I'm not doing anything wrong, but there's something I can change. Hmm. Because it's yeah. not about ego. It's not about saying that I'm perfect, but it's enough to say that, hey, I can change something, but don't tell me I'm you know, it's that, it's that interesting place, you know, and I, and I explain it like saying that, you know, sometimes my husband who works 12 hour days, when he comes home from work, he wants dinner and he doesn't like to eat at six thirty seven o'clock. <laughs> okay. I know that about him. So that's a trigger for him, right? So if I cook dinner at six 30, I'm not doing anything wrong, right? I'm not doing anything wrong, but I can change something. So if I know that that's a trigger for him, I can mention, hey, babe, this is a night I'm going to be until 530 or I'm going to be until 637 o'clock. What do we want to do for dinner? I'm changing the way I communicate so that that trigger, which I'm not doing anything wrong by cooking later, but I know that's a trigger for him. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 not doing anything wrong, but there's something I can change to better the whole situation so that we can be enlightened with more communication, I guess, for lack of better work. Right. So there again is, is that, you know, we can always better ourselves to move forward. And that's what life is here to teach us is to better ourselves so we can move forward. Utilizing the power of understanding because it's powerful to start practicing understanding, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I heard from you. And that was, that's, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Because, you know, he's not wrong in his trigger. You know, he's been up since four o'clock. I don't blame him for wanting to eat. Life is life. Yeah. Thank you, Boo-Boo, for being here. Is there any last words or any last minute? Because we've come to our hour. Oh, this happens fast. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to have you back on, by the way, um, no if you would like it. Uh, that, sure. um, that, is there any last words that you'd like to leave anybody? 
just thank you. Thank you for uh, listening. And um, um, to be honest, I really don't have any last words, but um, I appreciate you guys listening. And um, hopefully you got something, you know, my, my whole deal was uh, to be a hope dealer today. And um, mm. I love the acronym for hope is to help other people evolve. And that's my main thing is to just help each other. And um, as Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other at home. So uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, just challenge ourselves to have more understanding and understanding is love's other name. And the more I can understand, like you said, a beautiful example with your, um, with your husband, um, the more you can understand his triggers or things you don't like, you don't have to do certain things. So you don't have to trigger that or, you know, you def- defuse a, a little bomb with that understanding and you can stay in love. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, and that's, that's the way. So we, um, it's that, um, so there was a, co- a question and we're at the end of the hour and I apologize for whoever's been here to watch at the end here. Um, but there was a, one little question. I think we can answer this real quick. If you don't mind. Um, I, I asked because, um, let's see. Um, you were very vulnerable in this situation, right? Oh, uh, sorry about that. That was the wrong one. Okay. I find it difficult to apply. There are things that I wish would happen in my life and I find myself control in a controlling way. Um, so first off he asked, um, about the, um, how did you trust the universe and everything that happens for a reason? Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's that, um, it's that thing that, you know, sometimes I have the mantra. Sometimes I trust, surrender, accept, because I don't um, have all the information yet. I use mantras that, that help me set up into a pattern. I also use, you know, in, in the 12 step program, they use the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The wisdom to know the difference. And I'm saying it wrong. Shoot. The courage to change things I can, things I can. and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful prayer. Um, yeah, um, I, it's hard to answer that question because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. For me, I was uh, I, I was willing to trust someone else better than trusting myself because I was done with the way I was tired. They say being sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I was sick and tired of, of being sick and tired of my life being in that cer- certain situation. So I had to learn how to trust someone else mm-hmm. with my life. That makes Easier sense. said than done. <laughs> it really is. It, it really is. And I would say that, that, you know, living with someone who, you know, my parents passed away when I was, you know, 28, 29. And so for me, little things are, why worry about them? Right. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of grief and that teaches me that I don't have to worry about the little things. My husband never learned that lesson. He was drunk when my parents were passing away. So he never really learned that little lesson. So he tried to control a lot of the little lessons. In other words, dinner needs to be done by 6.30 or 6 o'clock, right? <laughs> control, right? So with that, that, that it's about that practicing. We have to practice to take our foot off the gas pedal. And know that there is something bigger happening here. And even if you use that mantra, there's something bigger happening here. There's something bigger happening here. There's something bigger happening. We have to disrupt the disruptor. (laughs) We have to disrupt the disruptor. And to do that, it's about getting those, those mantras, those sayings simple, you know, um, I'm, 
I, I can't control, I can't control, I can't control, I can't control this, I can't control this. Whatever you can do to disrupt this disruptor about patterns, find language, find a saying. Boo-boo, I don't know if you found that, that finding a saying helped you to, um, to negotiate some of your world. And that's the thing about life is we have to find those languages that help us shift us up into a new knowing. Use sticky notes. You know, put something in your car, in, on the mirror when you wake up in the morning, when you're going to bed, things by your bedside, whatever you need to do to find a way to negotiate. You know, for me, I had a piece of paper next to my bed. I trust, surrender, and accept. <laughs> and each day I picked a word to work on as an intention. One day it was surrendering. The next day it was accepting. Another day it was trusting. And I, and I played with that word all day long as my intention. Oh, here's a moment to practice surrendering. Okay, how am I going to work with this? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, and and uh, another thing is just learning, trying to have, I found a couple people I can trust, fully trust. And that didn't happen all of a sudden. It was little by little, learning how to talk to people and communicate and just talk about the human emotions and the human condition and the, the human mind and my fears and all that good stuff. I didn't have to be a trash compactor anymore and stuff all that stuff down. I learned how to talk about it and release the power. So little by little, I started to develop true friendship, you know, where I can just be raw and real with someone. And so that's important in learning how to live in just in today. And, and when you can learn how to live in one day at a time, you start to live in the present moment where life really is. And that mm -hmm. slot machine mind starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I start to have more peace and my, my perception becomes a little bit more clear. It's less foggy. So that was helpful for me. Still oh, is. Congratulations. Congratulations. And I want everybody to know, please, that we're all perfectly imperfect in this journey of walking forward. So give yourself grace when you have moments where it's like, oh, wish I had a time. I wish I would have done different. Practice doing better the next time. You know, practice doing better the next time. Well, Boo Boo, thank you so much for being here with me. I am so grateful for this moment. This was a tremendous show. I'm hoping that th this show gets watched so that um, more people can be. I felt that there was a lot of good information that can maybe hopefully help somebody. And thank you for trusting the process of being guided through this for the no, better words. Thank you. And it was an honor and privilege. And I left my number in case that person needs someone to talk to. So, uh, okay. Um, yeah. Did you put it on the, um, comments? Did it go on the comments? I don't see it on the comments yet. Huh. Well, anyways, if they do need someone to talk to, I'm here and they can reach out to you and get my number. Okay. see it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And um, is there an email or a um, or a um, website that they can go to to find you? Um, well, I, I have an uh, email you can reach me at is broaderlenspodcast um, at gmail.com. Broaderlenspodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Broaderlens. Okay. Podcast. I will put that in the, I, I will put that in the comments on YouTube. And, uh, and maybe on Facebook, I think I can update both of them. And no then um, Broader Lance podcast, podcast at Gmail. Okay. okay. And thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Broader. <laughs> 
<laughs> almost should flip it around so that broader lance is on top of your head instead of the <laughs> <laughs> well, blessings to everyone, and thank you for being here. Thanks. I am live Wednesdays at 4 o'clock Pacific time. Next week is Regan Forston. He did my show with me, um, uh, Next Level Soul. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, gosh, my brain. You know, this eclipse is this Friday, and I am getting stirred up and being very human <laughs> in these moments. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Regan Forston will be here next week at 4 o'clock Pacific time on my YouTube channel, Natasha Venter AC. If you'd like to listen to podcasts, this is on all podcast platforms that um on spotify and all the other ones uh and you can um, reach it at every day with an angel for podcasts so thank you boo boo again for being here i am looking forward to the next conversation we can have i would love to have you back on again and thank you everyone for watching i am so grateful you were here please come and watch shows please if you like this show share it if someone can use this show, share it, please. And um, like and follow if you would like to know more about some information about things. Blessings to you all. And thank you again for being here. And please look for my two-minute videos for support in your life in the, the little dance. You don't necessarily mm -hmm. have to watch them, but you can sure listen. So blessings, everyone. And know that you are perfectly imperfect and so loved. So, so loved. Thank you, Boo Boo, again. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. You want to hang out for a minute? Sure.